life, what God is about to tell you this morning. So if you joined us last week, you will know that we are busy with a, with a sermon series called In Light of His Coming. And Hank beautifully shared last week why it is so important that we live in light of His coming. And when we live in light of His coming, we live so in faith. Um, Hank said that if we expectant of Jesus coming back the second time, yes, Jesus is coming, then we'll live for him all the time. He shared some important facts and figures. So if you one that likes facts and figures, he said that there was or there is 300 prophecies in the in the Old Testament that speaks of Jesus coming as the Messiah. In the New Testament, one in every 20 sentences speaks about the second coming of Jesus Christ. So we can bet that that is important. And if we know that Jesus came and he lived the life that you and I should have lived and died the death that should have been ours and rose from the dead, we can know that he will come back again, most definitely. And to me, this is wonderful news. Um, it's, it's great to know that Jesus will be coming back again. You know, it gives me reason, it gives me a living hope to, to get up in the morning and know that we live for something far greater than you and myself. We live for the glory of God. Oh boy, but did I have to remind myself of this fact two weeks ago when in one day I first received the news that my grandmother passed away, unfortunately. Um, and after spending some time with my mom in Alberton, on my way back to Pretoria, I received the news that my uncle also passed away due to a stroke. You know, and it's when we, when we experience death in our midst, or the, the death of a loved one, that it feels so unnatural. Death just doesn't feel natural. And the reason it feels so unnatural is because it is exactly that. It shouldn't have been like that. In Genesis 1, God speaks of how he created everything, and everything was good. But in Romans, it reminds us, Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death. And, and it's, it doesn't only speak about a physical death, which we know we'll, we'll all have to face one day, but it speaks about a spiritual death where we are cast out of the presence of God. But, but God, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is, that is the good news. That is, that is why we can, can get up and, and, and go on. But not forgetting that we live in light of his coming. We live in light of knowing that there is an eternity there is most definitely eternity. And, and how we live on this earth and whether we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior will determine on which side of, of eternity will you find yourself in the day. Hank asked the question. I um, just want to see. Sorry, just quickly recap. Um, First, some, some context on, on, on the book of Thessalonians in chapter 2 that we're going to dive in this morning. And the title of this message the morning, this morning is that if we light, live in light of his coming, we'll live in community. Because we cannot live in light of his coming without living in community. What is community? 
this, what you see here, that's community. It's, it's someone, a group of people that has common interest or one goal at mind. So just as a refresher, the context on this, this, this first letter that Paul wrote to the, the, the church in Thessalonica, to the community, to the young church, is that the report that he received from his brother Tim, uh, yeah, Timothy is that it was actually going well with the young church. They were faithful. So Paul wrote this letter and he, he, he wanted to, to say thank you. Thank you for your, for your faith. He wanted to encourage them and exhort them to, to godly living. And he also wanted to give them the assurance of their eternal state when they die. Henk asked the question last week, so if you had one week left to live on this earth, how would you live it? And I'm asking this morning, if that week came to an end, will you have assurance of your eternal state? Because we can have assurance of our eternal state in Jesus Christ. And it's with that in our minds that we're going to dive into to chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, please open it to chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians, the first letter to Thessalonica. And we're going to read from verse 1. But before we do that, let's just pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for reminding us, Father, that it is you that is speaking to us this morning, Father. And, and I ask, Holy Spirit, that you'll help me to stay true to your word, Father. On my own, I can do nothing. So, Holy Spirit, please guide me and lead me into all your truth in this specific scripture we are about to read. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, so let's, let's start with, with chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. For you yourselves know. To who is Paul speaking? He's speaking to the, to the young church, to the, to the community. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. Paul and Silas were so driven by eternity, they were so living in light of, of Jesus coming again, that in spite of what happened in Thessalonica, where they were wrongfully imprisoned, after being beaten with, with rods, they were in the, in the jail, in jail, and at midnight, the earthquake shook the foundations, and the doors were opened, and instead of them running for it, they felt it that they will minister to the jailer who was about to kill himself. Now, I've wondered what I would have done in that, in that instance. You know, I would have, if that door were open, I would probably have made a beeline for it. And maybe on my way out, given that jailer like a stiff arm. Maybe, that's, I don't know, I might have done that. And, and you ask yourself, you know, what, what kept them going? They were so focused what kept them going? And I wholeheartedly believe that they had such a clear understanding of what the gospel entails that there was just no other way for them. Do we, as every nation, do we have a clear understanding of what, what the gospel means? If I had to ask you right now to, under, 
to, to explain to the person sitting next to you, in, in one minute, quickly explain the gospel in your own terms, in your own language. Do that quickly. Turn to the person next to you. Cindy? <laughs> okay, so while you're still busy, let's see if you, if you have a good understanding. Dr. Rice Brooks, one of the co-founding members of Every Nation, says the following. He says, the gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. This holy, magnificent God became man. He lived the life that you and I should have lived, and he died the death that we should have died in our place. So he paid the penalty for sin. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he was the Son of God and offering salvation to everyone who will repent and believe the gospel. And that is the good news. That is why we, we can get up every morning. That is why we can live in light of his coming. It's when we have a clear understanding of what the gospel is that there are certain values that, that forms deep within our soul by the powerful working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You see, our values will always determine our behavior. And our values are formed by our beliefs. So what do we believe? If we believe the gospel, and we believe that the Lord Jesus is the supreme rule and authority of our lives, there are certain values that should be evident in our lives. And it's out of the scripture that I would like to highlight five core values, not in specific order, but all very important. The first one comes from from verse 1 and 2, and I'm not going to read verse 1 and 2 again, but the first core value that I would like to highlight is evangelism. What is, what is evangelism? What is the goal of evangelism? Paul says there in verse 1 that our coming to you was not in vain, that boldness to declare the gospel. The main objective of evangelism is to take the gospel, the good news, to people who have never heard the gospel, to give them opportunity to hear the good news, the gospel, and then give them the opportunity to respond. So let me ask you a question. If, if you reach out to a colleague at work or someone that, that you feel God has placed on your heart and you share the gospel and you give that person the opportunity to respond to the gospel, what are you doing? You're evangelizing. So sometimes we have this idea um, that it must be such a gift and it's the person that can stand in front of 2,000 people and, and, you know, just carry on. And that's not wrong. But every time we share the gospel with someone that do not know God, we're evangelizing. Paul was a man on a mission. In fact, it was his second mission, mission in, um, where he stopped in, in Thessalonica. And he not only preached the gospel, but he lived it. And he did this in the midst of persecution. The second core value that I would like to highlight comes from verse 3 to 6. And let's, let's read that together. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God, who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people. 
whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. When a person yields to the, the lordship of Jesus, we said the gospel is that salvation offers salvation to everyone who repents and believes. And when we repent, we, we, we sometimes neglect that that repent is not only turning from our wicked lifestyles, it's, it's handing ownership, giving ownership back to Jesus, saying, Father, you take ownership of my life. Lord, I accept your supreme rule and authority of my life. And it dictates everything that we do from there on. And it doesn't come overnight. That's why we are sanctified by the Word and the Spirit. And it does come at a tremendous cost. Why Jesus said that if you do not carry your cross and follow me, you are not worthy to be my disciple. What does the cross mean? It means death. The death of self. I found life in the death of me. One of the characteristics of, of a person that has accepted the lordship, the supreme rule and authority of Jesus in, in their lives is that, that that person no longer wishes to please man or seeks the glory of man, but he seeks the glory of Christ, and that's all that matters to that person. That's the second core value. The third core value that I would like to highlight and something very close to my heart is, is family. And we get that from verse 7 to 9. And I'll read that for you and you can read with me. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also of our own selves. Because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. The words in bold all speaks of family, nursing mother, own children, ready to share not only the gospel but of our own selves. You had become very dear to us, brothers. A few weeks back, we, we watched the, the documentary here in church of truth be told, stories and testimonies of, of people that was hard hit by, by COVID. And how the, the, the family, the community gave of themselves and sacrificed their own needs to make sure that those in need were attended to, whether in sickness or money or food um, a great documentary, and I would recommend if you haven't watched it, go and, and watch it. The you Paul is speaking about in verse 1 is exactly the community, uh, what I'm seeing in front of me, and the, the every nation community in Tuane. A group of people living with one common purpose, and that is the glory of God. Over a decade ago, a man with the name Philip Pretorius and his wife, Renee, felt called to come to the community in Tuane. Their coming here was not in vain. For their own faith and the, the boldness that they received in Christ Jesus because of uh, the unsurety maybe of coming here and, and planting a church. 
Many souls have been saved by the grace of God through their labor and toil in Jesus Christ. Before them, there was Steve Murrell, Rice Brooks, co-founders of the Every Nation Movement. Their coming most certainly hasn't been in vain. Before them, many faith fathers of faith. Paul, Silas, there's a lot of them. May we as every nation willows, may the generation after us and the generation after them one day say that this generation's coming and going was not in vain. It wasn't for nothing. The fourth core value that I would like to highlight, and it comes from verse 11 to 12. For you, you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Sounds a whole lot like discipleship, does it not? Sounds like discipleship. The end goal of, of discipleship is always to become more like Christ. It's to help people. And if you are part of a connect group, of a discipleship group, you know that, that the, the leader wants you to become more like Jesus. And what, what happens when we, when we become more like Jesus and we have a, a clearer understanding of the gospel? What starts to happen? It's, it's then that we start engaging culture and community. We establish biblical foundations. We equip believers to minister and empower disciples to make disciples. So and you can guess it, when you start doing that, the, the, the fifth core value has already started working in you, and that is what? Come on. Leadership. Without you knowing, the powerful working of the Holy Spirit has, has made you a leader. Because by, by adhering to all the other the core values, you've, you've, you've become a leader. Christian leadership, number five. I believe that Christian leadership is the servant heart that serves with the goal of not helping himself, but at the, uh, uh, to benefit, he, he wants others to benefit by the gospel. He hears the gospel, he receives it, he shares it, and he lives it. But none of this, all the core values that I've spoken of, none of this happens outside of community. Um, you can isolate yourself from, from community and think that these core values might, might just grow, but it won't. It just won't. What is the conclusion that I would like to come to this morning? It's, it's the following. It's that if our understanding of the gospel and the fact that Jesus will come again, it should lead us and prompt us into action. If you're sitting here this morning and you have been called to this community, to every nation, if you've been called here, you'll know that our mission statement is that we exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered and socially responsible churches 
and campus ministries in every nation. Our core values, now well in specific order, is lordship, it's evangelism, it's discipleship, it's leadership, and it's family. You see, when we, we start living in light of, of, of eternity, of Jesus coming back again, and we have a clear understanding of the gospel, it's then that these core values just become more and more evident in our lives. And once again, I want to reiterate that nothing of this happens outside of community. Years um, back, Cindy and I fell out of spiritual family, out of community, because we didn't have a clear understanding of what the gospel is. And, and the result of that was that um, our hearts were, were hardened, and I didn't share the gospel. And, and all these values that I've spoken of was, was non-existing in, in our life. And by the grace of God, um, he pulled me back into spiritual family. I was deceived into believing a different gospel. So the gospel that you believe in and that, that you live is it drawing you into community and helping you to proclaim the gospel, the good news of God to that community? Or is it isolating you? Because if it's isolating you, you need to ask some serious questions. Let me tell you this morning that nothing good comes from living outside of community, out of spiritual family. In light of His coming, we live in community. We cannot live apart from community. So I want to ask some, some reflecting questions this morning. Um, Skolk, if we can just come up and, and maybe just sing that last song. If we can please, um, I'm going to ask some questions and, and then I'm going to pray for us. And I want us to, to really sing that, that song with, with all our hearts again this morning. And the, the, the questions I want to ask this morning, the first one is, um, was Jesus coming to this earth in vain? Well, if, uh, my answer most definitely is <laughs> definitely no. Such great meaning. But if, if Christ coming to this earth has, has meaning to you, then the next question is, is that understanding helping you to share the gospel, to live it in light of his coming, driven by eternity? And are you part of a spiritual family where, where Jesus is the Lord of that family? So I'm going to pray and then I want us to, to sing this last song in honor of the supreme rule and authority. Oh Jesus, how wonderful is the news, Father, that one day those in Christ Jesus... Um, can have confidence in their eternal state, Father. The kingdom of heaven, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Father, and I want to pray for, for each person sitting here this morning, Father. If, if there is a person that has never made a decision to accept you as Lord and Savior, Father, may that person make that decision this morning. And Father, for those of us who have made that decision, Father, may that just draw us 
in a more intimate relationship with you and we start bearing more and more fruit in community for your glory. It's truly you that deserve all the glory and the honor. Thank you for this morning, Jesus. And thank you for your promises. Those that keep my word, John 8, 51, will never see death. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.